With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep half. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. Yeah, and who the ball, the ball. So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington Charles Bishop. We'll have B.J. Jones joining us shortly. But let me just get in here and say congratulations to the South Carolina State Bulldogs for winning the 2021 uh, Celebration Bowl. So um, a little reverberation there, so it's kind of throwing me off. But, uh, yeah, I'm good now in terms of what that looks like. So I wanted to give them shouts out for winning that 2021 Cricket Wireless Celebration Bowl. They got it done against the Jack State Tigers. We tried to bury the MEAC. And we'll get into some of the other conversations first, but let me just straight up. We tried to bury the MEAC, and when I say we, I'm just saying a lot of folks, not necessarily us particularly. We've told everybody uh, that they are fine. Welcome to episode 222 of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab radio show and podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU dashboard, all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small. From the NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. As we said, we will bring in B.J. Jones. Um, might even have another guest jump in here. We'll see if Jamie Walker uh, wants to get in the studio or not. But with that being said, check this out. I'm shooting live from the BCSN studio. Charles is in the hotel. Mike has somehow found his way back home uh, in Houston, but we found a way to make sure we can do the show. I have Roy producing me here, but uh, let me get in here and ask uh, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Good travels back home? <clears throat> oh, pretty good, Doc. It was a really, really bumpy ride back home. So I- I'm glad I had a couple glasses of wine to, to endure that. But other than that, I made it home and, safe. And th- so, uh, thanks for leaving the uh, bottle of wine. I appreciate it. It worked out well. I needed it. I needed it. Not a problem. <laughs> Let me go to you, Charles. Everybody want to know. The good thing that I like about this, Charles, everybody's picking on you. You're talking about, man, Charles is coming in there with a the smile on there. You're a good guy. You still know how to make sure you have a smile on your face. How you doing? Yeah. I mean, you can't do nothing but have a smile on your face. Uh, first and foremost, uh, to the Big Dakota Spoils. Uh, congratulations to South Carolina State Bulldogs. Tremendous game plan, tremendous victory uh, over Jackson State yesterday. So let me first and foremost start out with that. But uh, obviously uh, a little disappointed, you know. Uh, you want to finish what you started. And from a, a just a fandom standpoint, uh, you want that closure uh, to the season always being the W. But it wasn't the case. Uh, South Carolina State, you, you take your hat off to it. Tremendous win yesterday. And I can't say enough about that, that front seven and what they were able to get done uh, to Jackson State's offensive line. We'll get into it. But, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a tough way to finish the season. But uh, at the same time, I, you have to keep things in perspective and still, you know, keep in mind that you are a conference champion. You are, you are the swag champion, but the swag representative in the celebration. 
No doubt. And you're going to have a uh, top three finish. I'm sure there's um, some teams that will probably still be out there that will vote Jackson State number one. Uh, the poll rankings uh, that people do independently, uh, you'll have people that will have their opinion of who uh, they're going to decide in terms of the what we refer to as the major division. Poll rankings will bring ours out Sunday, I mean on Tuesday. So we'll sneak you around the curtain today to give you a chance to kind of get these guys' inputs on what they think should happen and why they think that way. So we'll have that discussion, and we'll let all the lab listeners chime in and say what they want to do. Um, and then, obviously, we've already listed the mid-major as Bowie State. But I bring that up, one, to make sure they continue to get their shine over there out of CIAA of what they did with their great season. But there are some polls out there, you know, because we're frank and we talk about everything, that still have a combination of what we were refer, for, refer to as our major programs, FCS programs out of the SWAC, MEAC. Then you have independent programs such as Tennessee State OVC that we always know most recently. Now we have, um, obviously, North Carolina A&T and Hampton out of the Big South. Then we have um, those mid-major programs we have at the Division II level and NIA level. So it'll be interesting to see if some people, in terms of their overall poll, if they mix it, uh, will we State get a vote at a national championship in terms of what's going on? You have the power rankings. I've seen some people release their polls out there of who they're stating is number one, so it'll be interesting. But you wait. We've been doing this as the first, as the lead dog, if you would allow me to use that pun uh, in regards to giving love again to South Carolina State. We've been doing our poll, gentlemen, uh, for 20, going on 20-plus years. We have the record to show you Well, we – initiated what we thought was a need to have a poll that recognized the divisional classifications of HBCUs out there. So we talked about it as a major division, again, for the FC's programs in the mid-major uh, programs at the Division II and NIA level. So we will do that, uh, bring it out to you, and we'll see what everybody thinks on that as we go forward. But before I turn it back over, I did want to officially – do the slow burns, Waco.com, cigar shout out uh, to South Carolina State. And yes, you know, we're going to represent for the MEAC, the Bulldogs, give them the love that they deserve. So I have a little shirt that uh, the assistant commissioner over there in the MEAC uh, for communications made sure that I had the shirt to wear to represent South Carolina State. So. That's what we do around these parts. Shout out to them. So with that being said, we'll get into the particulars a little bit. Uh, 31-10 in terms of that matchup. Key things that turned out to me were the turnovers in, in the game. And they were those turnovers that would be designated as really costly. Because not only did you turn the ball over and not score like we talk about anyway, but they were turnovers deep in uh, Jackson State territory and ultimately led for scores for South Carolina State Bulldogs and got them back in the game. Let me go to you, Charles. What are your thoughts on that? Did you see it that way or did you see something else? Yeah, well, I think when you take a look at it, uh, it was definitely the points off turnovers, three turnovers that directly uh, helped uh, South Carolina State with 21 points in that game. And as you mentioned, Dr. Bill, those turnovers were costly in that uh, field position. Uh, and then you got to give credit to South Carolina State. They converted, you know, each of those turnovers into touchdowns. That's a significant uh, depth point. They were able to actually convert those those turnovers into points. So I think that's huge. I mean, um, you can kind of play coulda, shoulda, woulda if if not for those three turnovers. But at the same time, South Carolina State, they were the better team yesterday. Uh, there's just no getting around it. You can't run from it. Uh, they were just the better team in all aspects of that football game. They got it done. Great points. Let me go to you, Mike, in terms of your thoughts. We, while Charles was doing the thing that he needed to do with the pregame show on the field, giving people updates and actions and uh, talking to the players on the field, it would be fascinating to see what they released this week um, to really get people inside uh, of what was taking place. That's going to be some fascinating film uh, to put on the record. Uh, but we happen to be sitting in the media uh, booth there, and Mike 
I was looking at the stats. I was concerned about Jackson State's inability to run the ball. And I will be honest, I sit up there and saying, well, we've seen this formula before for Jackson State. Um, they jumped out there. And I said, yeah, before the end of the half, South Carolina State started to turn some momentum. But I said, oh, yeah, this happened. Second half, they hadn't really been able to show that they can move the ball down the field, so no problem. Mike was like, I don't know, something is percolating here that just doesn't look right. What did you see during that time that was giving you the indications uh, that um, South Carolina State could pull this out? Uh, well, first of all, I didn't get a chance to say it early, but there's, there's, I don't know if you saw the movie Ollie, the Will Smith version. Mm-hmm. And there's a point in the fight or when in the movie where Will Smith is preparing to go against George Foreman. He's 32 years old. Everybody thought he was done with. Everybody thought this was the end of Ali's career. And in a press conference, Will Smith playing Ali says, they thought this was going to be the end of me. They thought they had done well. You thought wrong. And nobody knew that he had a strategy for going against at the time, one of the most feared boxers of the time. And I don't know why that movie sticks back in my mind, but as I look at it, if you'd have told me going to this game that Jackson State was going to finish with just 19 yards rushing, I would have said, uh-uh, no way. You, you said it early in your program, Dr. Gaville, that, you know, most folks had put the, put the MEAC to bed. They thought this was pretty much, you know, the end or the beginning of the end for the MEAC. Well, like Ali said, they thought wrong. Uh, Coach Buddy Pugh had a, had a scheme. Uh, if you look at defensively, he, he maintained at times four or five folks on the run. He never let Jackson State get running. I don't think they had any rush for over three yards, give or take. Um, and then you, one of the stats, if you'll allow me, that stands out, we talk about the interceptions, but there's one little small data point that I would like you to, to kind of listen to. Mm-hmm. We talk about sacks, but if you look at QB mm-hmm. hurries, QB hurries, South Carolina State had nine quarterback hurries in addition to six breakups and three sacks. That's a lot of pressure on the defensive front. So not only did you stuff the run, um, at times Jackson State shot their self in the foot just by being inefficient on the pass, but you were able to really try to make them one-dimensional and stymie an already efficient offense. Both teams really were inefficient for most of the first half. But if you look at what Coach Buddy Pugh did on the defensive side of the ball, how he was able to lock up some of their receivers, he had a scheme, he had a plan. So hats off to him. But that's what I saw early in the game. You know, you thought Jackson State would get it going. That's not the same formula that we saw when they played Alabama State, who played them tough at homecoming. You you just knew in that game. You felt in that game, okay, Jackson State's going to wake up. I never got that feeling in this game. Doc, I think a significant thing with regards to yesterday, and I said this going into the game, um, a significant thing for me is the special team. And that is one of those energy uh, aspects of Jackson State it can normally rely on. It didn't happen in this game. Uh, South Carolina State did a tremendous job in terms of, and schematically, it was the same yep. formula, I think, from the Southern game. Uh, you pooch kick it on, on the kickoff, keep it away yep. from Zay Bolden. And then uh, they had the rugby style kick, and um, they kept it away from Warren Newman. So, and I've always said throughout the season with Carson Jackson State. Yeah, you said you know, that. that inter- you said that. Yeah, Leading up to this, you said it yep. several times. Watch out for that. Go ahead. Continue, Charles. Yeah. No, uh, the energy creates synergy, and, it, you know, it's sort of a, 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 a downhill snowball at, the, at that point. But uh, you just did not have those, those energy plays yesterday that kind of, you know, uh, uh, could get momentum uh, up and going on Jackson State sideline. But, you know, you credit that to a tremendous defensive scheme. Offensively, uh, Jackson State could not run the football uh, yesterday. And and I think there, there was a point where the clock was sped up in Shapur's uh, head uh, quite a bit yesterday in terms of the pass rushing. And uh, if you, they were able to it, get home. If you go back to uh, Radio Row, we had a chance to talk to Coach Pugh about some of the key defensive players. And, and you got in there and said, man, this we had it. Um, defensive line. Jablonski Green. Uh, talk about what's yep. going on there and really um, made it intriguing. Uh, we're going to take this break and then we'll come back, but I want to get your thoughts on this as we get into it and you can kind of ponder it, especially our lab listeners. And then we um, 
can go there with that. But in a lot of ways, for me, South Carolina State, Jackson State, Jackson State, of what Jackson State did to everybody else in the SWAT. Yep. Defensive turnovers. And as you talk about the momentum, there were two plays that were things that Jackson State had gotten all year long. Newman looked like he was going to break one. Yep. Uh, got to around the 45, 50-yard line, had one person to beat, and the guy made basically a shoe line tackle on his ankle just enough to get him down. He stretched out and got him. Yeah, I think he would have took that to the well. house. Then you also had the play uh, late in the game. I think it was the right play. They had to go to the replay. It was close. They called uh, the quarterback down, and it was a play where it would have been a fumble, and clearly if they pick it up, they're running in uh, for a return touchdown, which oh, are yeah. the plays yeah. that Jackson State makes, uh, and that's why I said during the year, which is similar to what South Carolina State did in terms of we talk about the turnover, making those defensive plays, turning them over either deep in the territory or basically um, scoring on the defense. So those are things that were interesting to me. So I might want to get your thoughts on that before we get into that. But we're going to have a deep talk when we get back. We're going to go into the lab in this next segment. So uh, stick with us. We're going to go and take a break. This is Dr. Ville inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're in the studio, BCSN studio, giving you our updates, our final Sunday show uh, for this fall season. And then we'll get back to business um, and Again, we'll release our poll rankings on Tuesday. Check it out. Let me give you thoughts. We got people chiming in now saying it's between South Carolina State and FAMU. I think we're going to go into lab and we're going to have some deep conversations and good dialogue in terms of everybody's thoughts. You know, how do you make those arguments? Because I think this year you can talk about what you want in regards to how you're going to select somebody, but be careful what you put out there because somebody else can shove that right back in your face and tell you that's why your team can't win it. So it'll be interesting uh, how that dialogue. But we'll be right back because we're going to go into the lab. So check out this next segment. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download we look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. 
From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love you. And who the ball? So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he going to teach a lesson. Let me know because I can't hear. This, this is Dr. Leo inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. You know, as I went to the break, I talked about South Carolina State doing to Jackson State what Jackson State has done to everybody else in the SWAC. Uh, let me go around the horn and welcome BJ Jones in here. Let me start with you since you're in the studio. What were your thoughts in terms of that framework? Um, what did you see in the game yesterday? Uh, well, yesterday I think I felt like Jackson State had some opportunities early. Uh, you know, early Jackson State was playing Jackson State football. We alluded to it in the booth. I was sitting next to you. I was like, "Hey, man, Jackson State, you know, here or there can blow blow this game open. Uh, field position uh, really uh, favored Jackson State, particularly in that, that first quarter. Um, and 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 as soon as I said, "Hey, Doc," I said, "Doc, I think I'm gonna go down to the field just to get a, a better field of it." In between me getting on the elevator and getting on the field, it's like old Mo swung a little bit. Uh, you saw uh, South Carolina State uh, get the get the touchdown, um, and then you saw the the, the turnover, um, and, and then the field goal uh, followed that. And then once that happened, South Carolina State started playing with a lot of uh, confidence. Uh, you know, the ball team started playing with a lot of confidence, and then you saw that physicality of South Carolina State um, really, really uh, show itself in that third quarter. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you this: Jackson State is a physical football team. Uh, you know, Jackson State is accustomed uh, to, to to being the bully. In that third quarter, the the bully got hit in the mouth, and I'm not sure if the bully really knew how to respond uh, to that. Uh, I said before in pregame, uh, I said that hey, Dakobe Durant. Uh, he's going to have to have a big game, and I said that uh, uh, Shaq Davis is going to have to play big. You did. Both of those things happened. I said that Fields' uh, com- completion percentage couldn't be at that forty-nine percent. He needed to have that increase to around, uh, you know, fifty-five or sixty percent. Didn't quite get it to that fifty-five, but he was a lot better than forty-nine uh, percent. Those things happened, and and this was the key. The Kobe Durant is a game changer at corner. He had eight targets to him. One touchdown. That was early on in the first in the first quarter. Seven incompletions from that point forward, including that sack. South Carolina State, you saw Dakota Durant going man to man, which allowed them to play zone opposite side of him, which opened up some things. You saw more blitzes and them able to get more pressures. That's what a lockdown corner do for you. And I think when you're able to do that, and that's something that a young quarterback hadn't seen a lot of, that's confusing to Shadour Sanders and South Carolina State took advantage of that and, 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 and got it done. Great point. And Jackson State, in terms of number one ranked recruit, plays wide receiver and quarterback. Wondering, will he be that definition of shutdown corner to continue that legacy? But we see that all the time with South Carolina State. The defensive front was able to get there and get it done in terms of that. Let me go to you, Mike. What were your thoughts in that analysis that South Carolina State was able to do what we saw Jackson State do to the SWAC all year long? Agreed. And that's what I, I started out uh, talking about, uh, that Ali fight. You talk about, I think BJ said the bully. And at the time, if you look at it, we laugh when I bring up that analogy, but the, the bully got hit in the mouth. <laughs> uh, I, don't think, I don't think the bully was really expecting that kind of combination. And they were just really efficient. I shared a, a stat earlier that um, even if they didn't get the sack, they forced uh, uh, Shador, you know, to, to make some hurried throws. 
And, and the fact that they had nine hurries in addition to the sacks tells you a little bit about their defensive scheme. And they had a scheme that allowed them to get off. Uh, the quarterback, the cornerback play is crucial. They were able to lock up really well against the receivers. But if you rush uh, the quarterback, there's not much time for good decisions uh, on the passing game. So I agree completely with what BJ had just stated. So great comments there, Mike. Let me go to you, Charles. That same question. And you were on the field, so you saw things from a different angle than everybody. And you got the emotion of what's taking place on the field. Um, very early in the game, as B.J. Jones alluded to and Mike, we thought it was in after that first quarter, if you would, we saw what we thought was going to be a blowout by Jackson State. I thought they left some points and opportunities on the board, which allowed South Carolina State maybe to kind of compose themselves and continue to play a game that allowed them to ultimately do what they did. What were you seeing on the field or hearing um, at least early in that matchup? And does it make any sense when I say that South Carolina State uh, did what Jackson State did to everybody in this way? Uh, I would say that it, nothing changed for the most part on the sideline. Uh, I've seen Jackson State's offense have these slow starts, and you've uh, consistently seen uh, the defense uh, being upbeat. Okay, we'll go out, you know, make a play, things of that nature. Um, I, I, I didn't, you know, there was never a sense of panic or anything. Like I said, um, uh, you've seen it for the most part up close all season that this team has been able to get everyone's best punch and for the most part, respond to that punch. It just so happened it did not happen yesterday. Uh, they were not able to uh, overcome the turnovers. Um, I, I think, you know, a, little, a bit of a momentum shift uh, is that first turnover, you know, deep in, uh, deep in the territory where South Carolina State was able to get the ball uh, back inside the five-yard line. But I, I just think during the course of the game, there was a sense, there was never a sense of panic, but, uh, you, everyone was just expecting the, the big play to be made, and it just never came about. And sometimes those big plays come through via special teams or the defense comes up and, and makes that play. Uh, they just never could get the momentum uh, moving in the right direction. They did make a couple of uh, uh, interceptions, but uh, it, they just weren't game changers. They just weren't uh, sustainable for, you know, that, uh, that, that normal Jackson State counterpart. Yeah, to your point, when you talk about the interception from Sanders, um, he took it back and put him in scoring position, um, and ultimately they went for it on fourth down. Right. Very justifiable call at my point. Um, at that point, you didn't see South Carolina State doing anything on the defense that would have, you know, preclude you say, hey, we need some points. Mm -hmm. You say, let's go ahead and get this up instead of going up 10, which means they're still in the game. Let's put two touchdown lead in there, fourth and one. You may question if you want a different play. But it's fourth and one. It would have been a long field goal. You hadn't been that excited about your field goal kicker anyway. So, to me, it makes sense to do it. But that essentially, to me, adds into another turnover. Yeah, um, it, it did. Yeah, 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 it did. I, I, and, you know, I was wondering, you know, would Jackson State you know, go for the three there? And then I saw the offense, you know, uh, you know, come on, come on, stay on the field. And, you know, that was a momentum swing. It didn't feel like it at the moment, uh, but that was actually a momentum swing for South Carolina State. Uh, yeah, they yeah. Back, exactly. When you saw the original, you was like, hmm, ho hum, they still beat them up. And then that late, and like you said, another thing you pointed out is the scoring – Component when they put up those 10 points and really gave themselves some confidence in a lot of ways. What we see now came in the last two minutes. Two minutes, four seconds, 10 points. That's crazy. That's crazy. So when we think about that, let's go in the lab. This is a new segment we got. I got my lab jacket on. Uh, so we're going to go in the lab and we're going to talk about this. Uh, I want to get everybody's opinion on it. Uh, go in whatever direction. This is not me pushing you in any direction in regards to what that looks like. Um, in terms of the black college national champions. Broke this down a little bit that we've been going back 20 years, since 20, 2002, where we, uh, as an organization, THG agency, these gentlemen here, where I thought it was a need to separate the polls. Um, and I didn't think, to be honest with you, really Division II programs were getting a very fair shot in terms of the national championship. 
maybe rightfully slow in terms of when you create the matchups and all those things. Um, and so I thought it was appropriate that you did two division classifications, which were based on scholarships levels. At the FCS level, formerly one AA, you have 63 scholarships. At the Division II level, you have 32 scholarships. At the NIA level, it's like 24, so they're close enough, so we put them in one bracket, which was the mid-major division. So ever since then, I would have folks vote, do an analytical breakdown, poll rankings, and release it at the end of the season. Thankfully, for the, a lot of the fans, they have enjoyed it. They look forward to it. This year, probably one of the most intriguing years before, mm-hmm. you add on the fact that you have a celebration bowl that pits two champions together. Coming in the game, in terms of record and what Jackson State did, they dominated the conference. The East Division, as we talk about, <laughs> dominated the conference, and mm-hmm. they had wins over those two teams. FAMU at the beginning of the season, and then they had it against Alabama A&M, dominating fashion. And that division, we had this discussion. We told everybody, look, if I lined up the divisions, mm-hmm. SWAC West, SWAC East, and the MEAC 6, yep. thinking them as a division, which division was the best? The MEAC was ranked third in mm-hmm. no matter what you said, East or the West. I came back and said, all right, let's double down. Let's talk about who has the best top three teams in Mm -hmm. each division. Well, in terms of records play, clearly, in terms of records play, clearly the SWAC Eastern Division was the best division. In terms of what they did in the division against the SWAC West, what they did outside of it against South Carolina State and the MEAC, dominated. So with all those things, I'm fascinating to see what everybody here says is what is their framework of how they would determine um, the HBCU national champion. You don't have to go on record and say who you're going to vote for here. That's up to you. But I want to know what is your formula and what is your rationale. And I'm going to start with you, B.J. Jones, since you're in the studio with me. Mm -hmm. How do you do it? I think, you know, one of the, the the first things you have to do, you have to look at the win-loss record. Um, also, uh, looking at, you know, who you beat, who you played, uh, and then the fashion in which you you beat those teams. Um, I, I think that has to, be say, uh, has to be said. Also, who did you lose to? Uh, who did you lose to? You know, were, were, were those football teams uh, in the pecking order as far as, you know, uh, the national championship race and the, the HBCU pecking order? Uh, and also you look at what you just said, strength of schedule. You know, how strong were the opponents that you played? Um, I, I look at all of that. And, you know, if, if you were to uh, look at all that, I think that that's when you would come up with an, an HBCU national champion. I can't wait to get your vote. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, let's go to you. How do you determine the HBCU national champion? What goes into your formula? What goes into your thinking? At least in terms of you voting, how do you vote? Again, you don't have to determine at this point who you're going to vote for. But I want to know how do you break this down? What things do you look at? Why are they important for everybody out these lab listeners talking about what should go into the thought process of a voter? We're in the lab. This is where we break down. We, this is where we allow the listeners to come in and see how we think behind the scenes. Most of the time people don't get an understanding of what the voter does or what he does uh, in terms of their process. I want you to tell the viewers how do you go about that process. Uh, obviously, you start with that one loss record, and then uh, my you know sure. second criteria is I start looking at those head-to-head matchups, and then I you know the, my you know third rung on that is starting to kind of take a look at uh, <coughs> your schedule. You know who, who did you play? Who, who were your losses to? Who were your uh, wins to? So uh, those are kind of the, my three go-tos. Uh, that I look at and kind of make a determination from there because, uh, you know, I, I just think those are the most important factors. Let me turn it over to you, Mike. Same question. I want to know in your thought process, when you go through this framework, what items do you use? How do you uh, frame your decision of what's taking place? Go ahead. 
All right. So I have kind of a big five. Number one um, is is similar to what Charles and BJ said with a kind of a, a, sweat, a, a twist. Number one, I look at record, uh, overall record. I look at head-to-head competition, number two. Uh, number three, I look at common opponents. How have they played? Um, number four, I look at point differential. All right. And I also look at uh, strength of schedule. Uh, the, the, but for me, if you can't win your sweat, if you can't win your conference championship or the big game, that to me is a big data point. I don't care. You know, I look at all of those other factors, but if you can't win your conference cha- championship and or the big game, it's hard for me to identify you with, you know, with the championship. But I do look at all the other thing I look at is uh, I look at the timing. I said I looked at, you know, the schedule and who they who they be, what their record is. I look at all. I do give a little bit more weighting to later in the season. Uh, here's where here's where here's where I'm coming from. Bally at the beginning of the season was a weaker than Bally toward the middle and end of the season. So. So you have to you have to weigh that as well as kind of an indirect data point for consideration. So those are my I said five maybe six key points that go into that overall equation. Man, y'all some bad boys. Where y'all break this down, man? We might need to do a <laughs> show segment on this coming in the next fall. Break it down before we release a poll that Sunday. A special segment that talks about what are you thinking about? Uh, how do teams look and why are you going to vote them in certain areas? Um, shoot, we can make this just like they do with CFP. We, we who's in? Down and talking about who's in, who's out. Why? <laughs> I love the fact that Mike said, don't come talk to me if you ain't won no division championship, you ain't won no conference championship. <laughs> he oh, don't want to hear yeah. So basically, just Mike just said, you know, "I'm you. I'm you." Wow. Okay. I got big Mike. Mike got big shoulders. Break it. I don't care. Oh. Uh, you, you know how that goes. Oh man, these folks are tough. Let, well, before we get into this next break, let me tell you what THG does officially. THC Agency, the Heritage Group, is an applied data analytics, sports, entertainment, consulting, educational leadership, and management company um, specializing in statistical computation, as you know, as part of uh, Dr. Ville's Classic Cuts Weekly HBCU Sports Series. THA releases Dr. Ville's HBCU mid-major division and major division poll rankings, a poll based on combination of a ranking algorithm and a voting system. The poll ranking is the original HBCU sports poll that separates the rankings since 2002 of the NCAA Division I, NCAA Division II, and NAI members, HBCU institutions into two distinct categorical polls, major and mid-major. This format is unlike the historic SBN poll. The major division poll consists of NCAA Division I football championship subdivision, FCS, formerly one AA programs, and the mid-major division polls, which consists of NCAA Division II and NEA and unaffiliated programs. This format was introduced to a public based on the request of black college blogging fans and on the research that consists of data mining and the difference in scholarship limitation requirements beset by NCA and NAIA bylaws, i.e. maximum allotment division one FCS equals 63, division two equals 36, and NAIA equals 24. If you choose to use the contents in the whole or part as a Courtesy, please credit THD Agency, LLC, 3C Communications, Dr. Cavill's Classic Cuts. Just to give you a framework, so I love to hear what the lab listeners are saying now. They can get back and chat it up, make their comments, agree, disagree. We want to know fully what your thoughts are and why you agree or disagree uh, with all of us uh, in terms of what we said, how we but what was important for me that I wanted everybody to get an understanding is, is that there is subjectivity to this. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike one of the reasons why you may or may not like it in the Celebration Bowl is the fact that if that is the de facto championship as you hear ESPN talk about, it takes out the subjectivity to it. Mm-hmm. It's two conference winners that play in a bowl game that get the champion of that and if that is the designation championship game, it's like a Super Bowl. It don't matter how you came in, how you played at the beginning of the season, all this, who you beat. That's the designated 
thing. And it's simply a marketing component. Yep. Hell, playoffs in itself is a marketing, marketing. component. It don't tell you anything yeah. about who is great, who's not. Uh, it starts everything over, and mm. it's a great way to get in your pockets and make you excited about the playoffs. In fact, that's why they did postseason. Mm-hmm. You go back to baseball when they defined it. This is some history for you all that want to know about the business side of sports, and y'all think they're doing all this because it makes sense wonderful. They wanted to know how could they make more money. Somebody said, restart the clock. Let's do playoffs. We'll name who gets in, why they get in, and then we'll market the heck of it, and we say this is a champion. It's no rhyme or reason. It don't make it right or whatever. It was marketing. When they did it with the poll voting for the SBN, uh, League paper, the Pittsburgh Courier, mm-hmm. that was people opinions. And we had great coaches back then that were able to navigate that space. They created their own Orange Blossom Classic or the Prairie View Bowl, Pelican Bowl, where they would designate and bring in who they thought was the next best opponent. Mm-hmm. And they would say, y'all watch this and whoever won, they would curry favor with the local. Some of them were regional newspapers and say that was the de facto championship. No different than what you had the major division schools do with Alabama when they talk about how many championships they got. Half of them were split championships, but you don't get them getting all excited. They're going to put up there how many championships they believe that yeah. they are noted for, period, point blank, in the conversation. And I dare you to say something to one of the folks because they're going to bust you in the head. <laughs> saying, no, this is who we are. So I don't have any problem with this. It's fun. It's chat us, whatever. But I do want you to be educated and understand that. Let's get into this break. We'll be back into our next seven and get into some more talk where we talk about Jackson State getting a little bit of revenge on South Carolina State in terms of women's basketball. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Carlos Brown letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net. And on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock, in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. Tell them I'm a hungry. 
impress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. And who the ball? So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. Charles uh, A.D. Yeah. Drew's framework of what he uses when he creates his uh, voting. T. Foster says, is the SWAC overrated? I don't think so. I think the SWAC does a much better job of marketing mm -hmm. its, its football program. And that's because of the fan base lottery. So what happens is they get a lot of the focus. And that's just a component of branding and marketing. Um, and that is not necessarily what's on the field. So I don't see it as overrated. Um, it's just the fact that folks follow it with a passion and interest, and a lot of people talk about it. I think if you go in and watch the matchups between the MIAC and SWAC, for the most part, those games are close. Mm -hmm. To me, for you to be overrated, it means the team comes in and they get dominated. Um, even with this game, when you look at it, the score showed that it got out of hand, but that was late. But for most of the game, it was a back-and-forth, very well-played game between two champion-level teams. You go back to uh, the MIAC SWAC Challenge. The game was back and forth with both teams. The MIAC SWAC Challenge over the last four years has split two and two between the MIAC and SWAC. I know the overall record points to the MIAC, and they need credit for that. Uh, but even when you look at those matchups, those games have been relatively close. Uh, you talk about the Celebration Bowl. A&T has won all those Celebration Bowls. Grambling gets there when they get in there. But all oh, those close. games were close. Uh, even the last one when A&T uh, blew it out late, it was 21, but it was a 14-point big play swings mm -hmm. all back in the game all the time. So, for me, it's hard to see somebody overrated if you really take your time and watch the games and watch them all the way through and not just selectively talk about who's winning, who's losing, what were final scores or databases. Really looking at the game tells you I don't see it that way. But I can certainly see what somebody and, says. And South Carolina State was 1-2 and two versus the SWAC coming into that ball game on yesterday, including the blowout loss against Florida and m Exactly, at home. T. Foster says subjectivity when you have old, biased men voting for their favorites and not determined on the field. No doubt about it. Uh, and let's give some shout-out. There's some women that vote out there, too. So I want to open this up. Sometimes we share our bias in terms of our masculinity as well. So um, I think that's accurate. But that's historic. That doesn't change. That has been since the very beginning of the time when you had, again, whether it was AP newspapers back then or the Pittsburgh Courier or the ABC Atlanta or the Defender of Houston, the Dallas um, – what was it called, the black newspaper there? It started with an X. Uh, I mean, E, um, I think it was. But anyway, it slips me right now. But my point is, you see, people voted on the polls. That's, that's so, nothing so to do, so let's not get excited. Uh, regionally biased yeah, also. Regional let me ask bias. you a question. Now. Oh, it's been that well, way. Let me put this question out there. Let me put this Go question ahead, out there. Do you think uh, the swag peters out after the swag championship? Because I, I think some fans ask that question, or they've asked that question, at least since the inception of the Celebration Bowl from a, an emotional standpoint, from a fan-based standpoint, or whatever the case might be. You think that when they get to the Celebration Bowl, they felt like we've accomplished the goal, which is the Conference Championship, and they're still trying to get to the Mets, I guess, level of whatever with regards to the Celebration Bowl? No, I don't think it is. I think you, it's simple. You have two very good teams. <laughs> you got two teams that are champions. One's going to win, one is not. And you go through these cycles sometimes, and it happens to be that the MIAC is on the cycle where they're getting it done. But, again, if you look at the games, if to me we hear this term that uh, the MIAC is more physical. I, I think that's where an easy talking point to people to talk about. But, again, if you watch the games, to me, if somebody's more physical, then you tend to see blowouts. Mm -hmm. You haven't really seen blowouts in these – uh, matchups. You've seen close games where uh, I think the MEAC gets the benefit of being able to talk about their coaching expertise mm -hmm. to put their position, their players in a position mentally where they execute better than the SWAC 
in closing out games. I think if you want to go there, I'm 100% with you. But these tire tropes, uh, get out of here, talking about somebody's more physical or somebody's more overrated, I think that's just fandom talking about of how they want to find a way to level the playing field because the SWAT gets all this media attention uh-huh. and the media and the MEAC right now doesn't. So it goes back the way, all right, how do I punch back and throw a little salt in the wound that we have the numbers? And if that's what you're doing, it's fine. I mean, talking yeah. madness and junk is whatever. But if you come into the lab in terms of what we put on the lab jacket and we go inside, we're going to give you the science behind this. We're going to give you management perspective behind this. But before we close out, and get everybody's final thought. I did want to go to Drew and let him talk about what he's he do in terms of providing his framework of voting for um, a team in a poll ranking setting. You know, Doc, we talk about the uh, how close these uh, games are, but yesterday's game was the largest margin of victory for a victor in the cricket celebration bowl at, oh, no tw- at, at 21 points. But uh, at Black College Sports Network, we use a algorithm, basically a computer formula, to determine our champion. And a couple of us were talking on yesterday. It was like, we don't think that that South Carolina victory is going to be enough to give them the championship just based on how we know the numbers in the formula work together. We have not ran the numbers to determine it. And we would just... Just have a general conversation about it. And the controversy has already began. There's an article on NCAA.com that has already named Florida A&M as the best team in HBCU football. Over the next day, two days, three days, you're going to see it. The one thing that I can tell you, there will not be an undisputed champion this year. Jackson State wins that game yesterday. They are the undisputed. They're yeah, undisputed. And everybody's poll right mm-hmm. Now you're going to have a a split champion a la 2019 yeah. uh, and and some other years. This is, this is yeah, not I, A&T 12-0. This is not Grambling 14-1 or uh, uh, 12-1 or whatever that was uh, back in uh, when they won the Celebration Bowl. So – let the debate begin. <laughs> Only thing I can say is, since we since we're talking about the academic uh, thing, you better have your data, your rep, and, and use your reference points and cite your work to back your point. Don't just come with a bunch of "I thought this" and "I think that." No, you really need to have some data to support your decision, whatever it may be. Yeah, great point when you talk about going down that that path. I did want to say this, uh, Jackson State over South Carolina State in the Mississippi State Classic, 97-37, because we will be getting into basketball, both men's and women's, um, and Jackson State is who we thought they were. Uh, they are a champion, <laughs> and so a 60-point win is amazing there. Uh, any thoughts in terms of basketball on the women's side? Because I'm going to give you the update on the men's scores, uh, some big games that were played yesterday as well. Charles? Uh, yeah, I think uh, coming into the season, we expected some great conference play on the women's side. Uh, you're talking about uh, Jackson State, Alabama State, Bill uh, Cooper, uh, who I think will be uh, right there in the mix, as well as Texas Southern. So uh, looking forward to getting into some uh, some exciting uh Basketball talk with regards to the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Of course, uh, the rest of HBCU basketball. We got some great teams out there. Norfolk State has been showing what they've been doing on the mid side. Some impressive wins for uh, Texas Southern, uh, Southern Jackson State, uh, as well as some other teams there in the SWAC on the men's side. So uh, once we get into conference play, man, it's going to be fun. And then everybody has to make that Texas two step because I still think uh, the basketball championship goes to Texas Southern improvement. Look at that. Let me give you these scores as well. Um, you had the couple of HBCU matchups. You had South Carolina State in overtime on the men's side defeating Tennessee State 90-88. to I love Tennessee State's schedule, all the HBCUs they played in terms of Miak and Swag. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. They've struggled in those games and hadn't got out there, but I really give them credit for playing those games in terms of playing Norfolk, playing Alabama A&M. Um, they played in a lot of games where you saw playing Chicago State, not an HBCU, but um, – a predominantly black institution. But you had the Invesco QQQ Legacy Classic, right? Michael B. Jordan, 
put this together in New Jersey. Uh, it was on TNT. You had Howard defeating A&T, 79 to 57. And you had North Carolina Central getting a win over Delaware State, 86 to 53. So those are some big basketball matchups and scores uh, where you had between HBCU programs. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know this is separate. You had the Twitter chatter going over there that it would be nice to have the basketball games in Atlanta, so you'll see it. I agree with that. Uh, but it's two different institutions, two different networks. The networks actually compete against each other. Mm -hmm. So it's challenging to just put that out there without really understanding the business framework around that. Going to you, B.J. Jones, before we close, what's your thoughts in terms of maybe having a basketball uh, game, even though if it may not be – Michael B. Jordan putting it together, but just in general, uh, HBC basketball classic put together during uh, this weekend. I think it makes make a lot of sense. I think, you know, what you found after the Celebration Bowl, um, a lot of people trying to figure out, hey, what do we do next? And I, and I think if you uh, – so Right. And and I think if you have a game right there at State Farm Arena where you walk right out of the dome and State Farm Arena is right there looking you dead in the face – uh, you got something going on there. I mean, that's uh, potentially a big HBCU sporting weekend as opposed to uh, just football. So I would like to see that. Charles, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that you have an opportunity there for it to be a huge uh, HBCU exposure weekend. You can uh, put all the accoutrements uh, with regards to the sporting contest as well, uh, be it career fairs or, or, or school fairs or whatever the case might be, that has potential for something uh, huge uh, that the culture can continue to enjoy. Because one thing uh, for certain with regards to the celebration ball, Dr. Bill, uh, black folks and girls enjoy this this opportunity to see the MIA champion and the SWAT champion. And it, it, this is just a fun festival atmosphere this weekend. We can't say enough about uh, everything we want to do except Last comments from you, sticking with you before we let you get out of here and close out. What are, you, what are your thoughts in terms of this week? Yeah, uh, hats off to South Carolina State. Hats off to Buddy Pugh. Uh, they got the job done for period point blank yesterday. Uh, they, were, uh, the, they were the better team yesterday than Jackson State. So you can't run away from that. It is what it is. But at the same time, uh, in 2019, Jackson State Tigers were 4 7 before the this past spring. And they flipped the narrative on HBCU football, flipped the narrative for Jackson State football, an 11 2 season swag conference champion. I can't say enough about it. It's been a bittersweet end, but it was a tremendous season uh, for this Jackson State type football team. Looking forward to the trajectory of the swag that we had going into 2022. Well said, well said, BJ Jones. Hey, man, yesterday uh, was the. Uh, the crowning moment of a big week for HBCU football and HBCU sports across the board. Uh, you saw what we were able to do collectively on Wednesday with National Signing Day. Uh, Jackson State making big headlines. Um, and, and yesterday, just to see uh, the conglomerate of people across media, across HBCU fan bases, alumnus from schools that weren't a part of the, the, the Celebration Bowl. Yesterday was a beautiful thing to see. And I think that all the coaching stuff that we've been talking about, old faithful, Buddy Pugh, winning this coach in MEAC history at South Carolina State, he's been a lifer there. It was great to see him get a celebration bowl victory and, and so the way that he felt. Jacket. Right, yeah, he gets that red jacket. And it was nice to see South Carolina State, we were talking about a few years ago, talk about maybe on the verge of extinction, but, you know, all the financial issues that they've had, even issues they've had with that football program, can't recruit outside of the state of South Carolina. So to see South Carolina State bounce back from that than where they were yesterday, that was good to see. I just hate that it was like a, of the expense of my man Chuck over there, man. I ain't used to seeing my man Chuck look like this on a Sunday morning. I'm about to send him something, man. But I think that this is just the beginning for HBCU sports, HBCU football, and I think that the best is yet to come already buzz surrounding that matchup August the 27th Howard and Alabama State right here in Atlanta Georgia yeah we'll be back to cover and, that great and, point and guess what Orange Blossom Classic tickets went on sale I believe what yesterday or something to that effect so I think <laughs> and they already moving and they're moving yes, well yeah they well said that those are big matchups um in the end when you talk about the television coverage you had ABC you had ESPN, they woke up to it in the hotel. I went to bed late last night, and on the L.A. side, you know, you have um, 
gentleman out there that's Howard graduate. He made his connection. They had Grambling State's head coach, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackson, on there interviewing in there. Um, and then on the basketball side, you had TNT coverage. So you really had in-depth coverage uh, from the what we call major media cycles. And then all of the um, mid-major or uh, black excellence in terms of those covering right here with uh, BCSN and my JBN. Download those apps in terms of what's going on there. Let's close it out. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Keep the comments coming. I love it. They're going back and forth uh, talking about Swag Act. That's why you call it a challenge. That's why you call it a celebration bowl. It all comes together, and people have their opinions, and they will share it. Jamie Walker, I thought you were getting in the studio. We'll get a chance to chop it up. Great article out there in terms of the history that you can read on HBCU game day. Uh, that's come back again about the history of the poll rankings. Good stuff in part there. Um, get a chance maybe Tuesday to break down some of the people we're talking about. Tiffany Green on the sideline versus Jay Walker. I do want us to be educated in mm-hmm. terms of when we put stuff out there. Um, Tiffany Green and Jay Walker. Tiffany Green is a play-by-play. You have Jay Walker, which is the analyst. Right, and then you have sometimes a sideline reporter. They do the swag regular season games. If you're going to kick the game up, which is what we call for, be on ESPN or ESPN two or ABC, there are contractual agreements made by ESPN to have certain people cover the games. If they break those contracts, they'll get sued. So if you go out there, I put on the several links. I'll put it in here where you can read. They break you down. Who covers work games in terms of ESPN framework? So what they do when they shift these MEXWAC challenges over, uh, they bring in the broadcast team that's contractually to do it, and then they bring in Jay Walker and Tiffany. You don't put a reporter on the sideline, color analyst, they don't have that expertise. Mm-hmm. They're not professional journalists or commentators in terms of it. They're not trained in that. Or whether it's RG3 or whatever, so make sure when you're communicating your wants and thoughts that you're at least doing it based on the information and knowledge that needs to be there so you're accurate in terms of your ass um, and people can at least take you seriously from that platform. So with that being said, again, thank you for listening. I am Kenyatta Cavill, the dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab, College of HBCU Sports, with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop, B.J. June Jones, as he joins us on this Sunday, our last Sunday before we get it back. We'll have some special editions throughout the year when necessary, but we'll go back to our regular Tuesday and Thursday, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. We want to look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the labs. And we released the poll rankings, Dr. Cavill, since 2002. And we'll release it. We'll let you know what comes out and our thoughts, and we'll get it out there. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A. C-A-V-I-L, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A, C-A-V-I-L. Continue to check out B.J. Jones. His show is today. You have Brian and A.D. They'll do their show today as well in terms of sports rap. So we're going to give you and cover wall-to-wall what took place as we finish up analyzing this great football season that took place there. Man, I'm sad that it has come to end. It's moved so fast, I can't imagine. I can't believe it. That's inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 Twitter. Charles, it seems like we were just here. Uh, last week in Atlanta, kicking things off with the Me X-Way Challenge and talking about that, or you were down in Miami uh, telling me that you were moving down there for three, four days. I was like, man, what? You, you yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's been a long season, but you know what, Doc? Uh, looking forward to basketball season. Looking forward to uh, my golf game. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You get the chance to really get in it. And really it kicked off when we think about it as a media day. Mm-hmm. But Dream Big, continue yeah. to move forward. We will talk soon. Charles? Of course. DJ Jones? Lecture. Dismissed.